Seven Seconds or Less. This is a podcast about the Phoenix Suns and the NBA. My name is Max McCauley and I'm joined as always by my co-host. His name is David Nash. David, how's it going, my man? It's going very well, Max. A couple of interesting things going on personally for me. I became an uncle today, which is very cool. Hey, congratulations, man. And it is also very, very hot here in Melbourne, Australia, which I tweeted about earlier. And for both of those reasons, we're recording... A little earlier than we expected, so thanks very much for jumping on with me, Max. Yeah, no problem. How hot is it? It is 42 degrees Celsius. I'll put you on the spot. What do you reckon that is in Fahrenheit? I looked it up for you and the listeners before we jumped mm. on. This is like a really early did you know based on the weather. I didn't expect this. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's like 105? 107.6 I'm that sitting That was in not a moment. bad guess. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. So I'm happy to stay indoors and talk Suns basketball with you today, Max. Let's get into it. It's a good time for that because it's time for our monthly awards again, David. We've done this. This is our third time doing this. Yep. Going to go through a few awards, a little bit like the uh, normal NBA end of the year awards, but slightly different, tailored to the team. Uh, and then we're going to go into uh, a little around the league stuff. We're going to do, it's, it's the new year, Dave. I don't know if you noticed. I don't know if you heard. It is. <laughs> and uh, we're going to make resolutions, not about ourselves, because we're perfect, but we're going to make resolutions about NBA teams and players, about what we want to see from them in the new year. 2019, David, it's exciting. Yep, the Suns are far from perfect, but uh, so are many players and teams around the league, so we'll we'll use that theme for them after talking some Suns basketball, which is hopefully still mostly positive as we like to be, Max. We're trying really, really hard, guys. <laughs> really, really hard. David, recap a little bit of what's happened, and then we'll get into our awards. Yeah, as I said, we're jumping in a little earlier than we normally do, so just the losses to Golden State and Philly since we last recorded, Max. Both of them put up 132 points on us, which is a little concerning, and we might get into that a little bit later. Uh, the December recap, we're 5-11 and 11 for the month of December, which... Doesn't sound great on the surface, but is obviously our best month so far, Max, and we don't need to go over the standings or anything like that in too much depth after the depressing way that it ended last episode in terms of where we stand in the division conference and league. So we'll just jump quickly to the news from this morning of Eric Morland getting waived as well, Max. Uh, I tweeted before I even saw this news had happened that uh, it was likely to happen because the guarantee date for all NBA contracts is coming up on January 10 and he and Rashan Holmes were both non-guaranteed with that being the date that they become guaranteed. So Morland goes before we even really knew him, Max, and we're on the clock again to, to sign a 14th player, uh, I believe it's a two-week, 14-day window where you need to do that. So we might see another new player in the purple and orange very soon, Max. But 
Uh, any thoughts on that at all? I know people were rooting for Alan Williams, as was I, because everyone in love with Big Sauce, but it doesn't seem like that's in the cards. He's going to China. Yeah. Uh, and the other one was uh, was Shaq Harrison, because the Bulls just made a, a stupid trade. Not, not a stupid trade for them. Stupid is not interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe they would sh- uh, wave Shaq Harrison, but I don't. doesn't seem like that's going to happen. They waved Campaign, who we shouldn't sign. Uh, so, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, all I think is that we Definitely, I'll double down on what you just said. Please do not sign Cameron Payne. No. Uh, go elsewhere. Go in the end of the bench. Really anywhere. Big. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I guess I don't really have any opinion on that. Although we, So, David, when is our deadline here? When do we have to sign somebody else? Uh, so, it's two weeks from today, I guess, which is, I believe, the th- you're in the third in the uh, not-so-distant past, while I, was, I, I am in the future on January 4. So uh, two weeks from there, that takes us you know, well past the January 10 guarantee date and kind of, you know, what, 17th-ish of January. Mm-hmm. We should be looking out for someone else to join the roster, either via a free agent signing, which we have a few ways to do that, uh, still with the room exception and, and vet mins, or it could be a trade max. Yeah, I saw a few people speculating when uh, when this happened, like, ooh, does this mean a trade's coming? It's, man, we really need to get off that. Like, sometimes NBA teams just do, like, random roster stuff, and yeah. usually when a big trade happens, like, they don't announce the waving of a, you know, a no-name player <laughs> three hours before. Yeah. Usually that just happens as part of the trade. So I, I would just, it, just to not drive yourself crazy, I wouldn't jump to, hey, a trade's coming every time we do some, you know, little move like this yeah i definitely don't think it's a precursor to that obviously they have two weeks so anything could happen but uh i definitely don't think they've moved the spot just to bring in a two for one that they've already agreed upon or anything like that but they they'll take their time um and hopefully add someone of value and we'll get into that in a minute but this this team still needs talent uh wherever they can get it max Mm, it really 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 does but let's get into our awards anyway we'll we'll talk about some of the talent and some of the less than talent on these awards (laughs) we're gonna do the mvp david that's that's normal we're gonna do the best moment a rookie had all month because if we did best rookie it'd be eight every time yep we're going to do the most like surprisingly good player, exceeding expectations player of the month. Mm-hmm. We're going to do the converse of that. or Converse, is that the right word? Uh, the most disappointing player of the month. Yep. And then we're going to do uh, kind of our play in the sixth man of the year. It's going to be who would we want to see more uh, coming forward in January who didn't play enough in December. Yep, and it'll be interesting to see uh, how much we double up on things again. I- I've tried to go a little bit out of the box this time, but uh, we doubled up. I believe, two out of the five times last time. So, uh, yeah, let's jump into it and and see where we go with this one. Well, I'll go right into my not-out-of-the-box answer for MVP, David. (laughs) For the third time in a row, um, I'm picking Devin Booker because he's the best player on the team. Yep. Uh, His 10-game averages since coming back are 29.3 points, 4.4 rebounds, 8.0 assists, on a 58.9% true shooting percentage, David. That's really, really good. That is really good. I've jumped around a little on mine uh, for the three times, probably not even keeping to my own rules. But uh, I actually eliminated Booker because he missed six games in the month of December. And uh, I'm, mm. I'm pumping up the big fella here. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is my MVP, Max. I don't think that's an insane thing to do, especially since you're, you know, you're relying on the fact that they missed, uh, that Booker missed six games. Yeah. I think you even you would probably agree that if like a gun was to your head and you had to like or bet all your money on who the actual MVP was, who actually added the most value to the team, it'd probably be Booker. But I like you going outside the box, picking it, and uh, give me a reason. Well, I mean, we've spoken about his stats quite a bit in the last few episodes, so I won't go over those too much. But for December, Max, we're 
talking 17.6 points per game, 11.8 rebounds, 4.4 of which are offensive, 1.8 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, 60% shooting from the field, Max. So we've just seen today that Luca got nominated as the December Rookie of the Month, which is fair and reasonable for his 16.3 points uh, 6.6 boards and 5.9 assists, which is just crazy from a, a rookie ball handler. But Aiton is closing the gap, I'd like to say, on Luca. I don't think he deserved the Rookie of the Month over him, nor do I think he deserves the Rookie of the Year award over him right now. But he's kind of getting closer, Max, and I just wanted to highlight that because... You know, if he can keep pushing Luca for these monthly, you know, what are essentially fake awards, which you said privately to me um, a couple of moments ago, uh, you know, and push him for the official award towards the end, you know, that I don't think that award is is over yet. Yeah, I do think the Rookies of the Month awards are stupid. Uh, Tyler Ulis, I think, won one for us <laughs> <laughs> one time. So uh, yeah, I don't really care about those. But I will. Well, first of all, I'm a Lucas stand, so I, I'd be uh, remiss if I didn't point out that he actually had 21.1 points in the month of December. Oh wow, really? Uh, yeah. So a lot of points in the month of December for Luca. Okay. Uh, going on to that, yeah. So I, I do think the Rookie of the Year race is not it's not over yet. I think Luca has been the best rookie. He's uh, you know he's on. It's going to be hard for Aiden, uh, in large part because Luca's team is so much better. Um, but to be fair, Luca is the best player on that team. Yeah. So to, to a large extent, he deserves credit for it being a better yep. team. Um, and we'll see. You know, if Aiton improves, and we'll get into how much I think Aiton's improved lately. If Aiton keeps improving at the rate he's been improving in December, then you know, hell, maybe he'll overtake Luca at one point. Yeah, I've just double checked that Max user error on my part. Looking at his uh, at a different column on on Basketball Reference, you're, you're definitely right with Luca's points there, which definitely makes it uh, probably an even easier uh, choice between he and Aiton for the December player of the month. But just jumping back on Aiton, you know, for December, and the reason I'm really trying to pump up his tires here instead of uh, Devin Booker, who, you know, took a leap in his you know, in his own right, and those stats that you rattled off were, were pretty impressive for, for his kind of last 10 or so games. But I think we saw some legit growth from Aiton this month, and, you know, he's more aggressive. Uh, some of the quotes we've seen from him, he's, he's kind of quite reflective, and, you know, he, he seems to kind of get it after, you know, I think last episode you highlighted uh, around those interesting times of the Portland game and things, there were some kind of disconcerting quotes, but some of the more recent ones have been positive in terms of him trending in the right direction. And, you know, the Orlando OT, uh, I've gone elsewhere for my Rookie of the Year award, but, you know, the Orlando OT might be my highlight of December altogether in terms of picking one moment out, Max. Yeah, well, I guess we should go ahead and go into the rookie moment because that was mine. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> it was the best rookie moment. It really was. Aiton, you know, and also it may be the best argument uh, for him being the MVP because that was an important game they won and it was really because he took over in the overtime. Uh, he just, it, it, I've described it multiple times as being kind of a vision into what DeAndre Aiton could be defensively if he realizes the potential that his tools give him. Yeah, uh, he had the the block jumper where he stuck with uh, uh, DJ Augustine at the end of that uh, shot clock and, mm-hmm. and blocked it with his length. And then he had a uh, a block, I believe it was Evan Fournier drove it in. Yep. And uh, DeAndre didn't really blocked him at the very, very, very top of, of the arc of the ball. Like really, just ridiculous. Not very many players can do that. Yeah. Um, it, it really, it's just showing you. This, this is why you know. This is why Ryan McDonough. And the GM staff was like, hey, we can't pass on this guy because look at these freaking things he can do. 
And, you know, that's kind of a philosophy they had where I think McDonough has shown this over a long time. That he, he tends to lean towards players with the physical attributes more so than the players who are good at the time. And when, you know, when a, when a player like Aiton shows the growth he's shown in December and, you know, the progress towards realizing those physical attributes, then, hell, it, it's, harder, it's harder for me to criticize that approach. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really glad. It's funny, again, I know we've mentioned this quite a few times, but we don't talk in preparation for any of these pods, so it's all very much mm-hmm. coincidental. So I'm really glad that you're bringing up the, that Orlando game and, and kind of glad that we uh, differed on the, the first award being the MVP because that game in itself, particularly for Aiton's early career, you know, probably this season, his rookie season, is kind of the perfect contrast between Booker and Aiton. You know, Booker carried the team you know, for most of that game, should have won the game in regulation for them if it wasn't for some mm-hmm. bad calls, which we mentioned last episode. And then Aiton's able to show flashes. You know, we can't expect to put the team on this guy's back and win us games night in and night out. That's Booker's job at the end of mm-hmm. the day. And, uh, you know, for, for your nomination for MVP with Booker, he's probably well-deserved because he's really carrying the team for the most part in those important games. But, you know, those little flashes from Aiton that we see, uh, if he can just impact games in a positive way even just for moments like that rather than over whole games that's kind of the progress that we're looking for rather than you know those empty numbers that people keep talking about max no yeah 100 percent. and look and if you if you go back to booker's rookie year booker was less valuable than Aiton is right now to his team very true so, very true yeah i mean rookies rookies are not generally good players it's rare when they are which is you know, I, I would say Aiton actually is a good player, which is impressive because most rookies aren't. And nothing highlights that more, Max, than last time we nominated for this uh, rookie award. Uh, we're very close to Ali Kobo having a great game. Uh, I believe it was against the Clippers at the time, and we both kind of picked moments from that as our, yep. our favorite moment from, from last month. So that's interesting. I've gone elsewhere again for this award. Uh, not a, a specific moment, although I will say shout out to DeAnthony Melton kind of playing the passing lanes. It's a lot of fun watching him uh, stick his hands uh, probably where they shouldn't be and, and get fast break dunks. Uh, most notably, that that <laughs> first quarter against Golden State was a, a favorite of mine. But uh, I'm going to Igor stand here. We've talked about last episode him being a rookie, so I'm going to throw him in this category. The Suns won four in a row and things were fun again for a while there, Max. So uh, the best month so far has been in December. And you know while he still has his flaws, kind of rotations being the big one, uh, you know, December picked things up a little bit, and that was kind of a fun moment for the Suns to string a few together. Yeah, it was, and I think I, I apologize to Igor last episode <laughs> for criticizing him too much. And then, and then last night, I uh, I flipped out and had like four straight tweets in the first quarter, being angry about the fact that he left people in. Dave, what do you think about that? I'm sure you went back and watched the game. I think you watched it later. I did. Do you think Igor was he trying to like you know let those guys play through things, or what was the rationale behind letting those people stay in the game so long? Yeah, I think your last point there is exactly what happened. I think in reference to foul trouble, I think we've noted on the pod before. Igor's philosophy with that appears to be leaving guys in and letting them play through things, and it's worked 
uh, to advantage sometimes with, uh, I think, guys like Devin Booker, who we needed in certain games and, and kept him in. And that seems to be what happened with TJ Warren last night. Didn't quite work out for the team. And then just overall, you know, one of my favorite sayings, and you, you quite often hear Igor yell it out if you're listening to the um, mics during the game, is he just yells out basketball. And that's him basically just saying, play basketball. So every set has its initial actions in it. Um, but, you know, depending on what the defense does, he really encourages guys to just play and use their instincts based on what he's told them the set play is, but then countering with where they see seams and holes and, and things in the defense. So I think that overall philosophy from him is he wants his players to become smarter. And part of that is leaving them out in tough situations. I think it's also why we see him, you know, not call timeouts in certain situations where we really expect them and want them to call timeouts. And it's kind of a long-term development thing because you can't overcoach these guys sometimes. And, and sometimes you're in moments where you really need the players to take over. So a little frustrating in the moment, but that's kind of what I really take from it, Max, is he's really trying to you know develop these guys overall and have them play through disadvantaging situations sometimes. Yeah, and you know, fair enough, and I get it. It's kind of why I brought it up. But at the same time, like, man, it's just when these guys get way, way, way down, I just, I don't know if that's good for it. You know, I, they fought back in this game, and they've been fighting back lately, which is good, but like, I think you need to prevent getting blown out as much as you possibly can. And also, just the biggest problem I had with it last night wasn't so much that, you know, it was better players needed to come in for worse players. It was more that they just had no energy. They, they came out of the game flat. And, you know, you insert Ubre and Josh Jackson, who, by the way, Josh Jackson was, you know, an energy bomb last night. Yep. He, he really invigorated the team to come back. Like, if they would have put him in earlier in the first quarter, I wonder if, you know, maybe the team would have turned things around more quickly. But again, I, I, I don't disagree with your, your pick here. I think it's a fun out-of-the-box pick. Igor definitely had his best month as a coach. Uh, so yeah, I, I like your pick, David. Baby steps, you know. I think we're kind of 20th in net rating over the last 10 games or so, which isn't ultra impressive. But from where we've come from, you know, we're showing a little bit of growth here and there. And I guess just to round that one out, you know, understanding Igor's philosophy or, or giving my opinion on where I think he's coming from doesn't necessarily always mean that I agree with it. And I definitely agree with your take on that in that he is a little too slow to call time out sometimes and make those substitutions. And then there's some contradiction sometimes too, you know, then he'll go back to the starters at, at key points of games when the bench unit is kind of what got them in or back in a game, you know, potentially mm -hmm. the Philly game is an example of that. And, you know, I've said before that he really like likes to reward guys and let guys play basketball. And if guys are showing energy, he'll keep them in, but then occasionally he'll, he'll go against that. So there's definitely some mistakes and, and even some contradictions there. I don't, I definitely don't know all the answers with Igor. I just, from my observations, it seems to be the way that he goes sometimes, but you know, the last game of the month against Golden State, was kind of a, a key thing for me with Igor and this team and it was Steve Kerr commenting that you know when they did prep for the most recent game he kind of thought that the team was drastically different this time around from, from the last time around that they played them so that's a pretty high compliment coming from you know one of the the league's best coaches yeah I hadn't heard that actually that that is nice to hear and I do think that's true like even you know, I obviously have my qualms with Igor, and I've made them known, but he definitely has the team playing a more 
like real NBA style, I guess is the way to put it. Yep. And, and that's nice to see. Uh, but we should move on, David. Exceeding expectations player. Do you want to go ahead and give us uh, your guy? Well, last time we were we doubled up again uh, with Rashawn Holmes. Uh, my guy you mentioned just before, so I'm going to be interested to see what you say here, Max. But I'm going with Josh Jackson. Interesting. Okay, go ahead and explain. Uh, well, I'll start by explaining that you know this award we've always said is in comparison to expectations. So mm. I'm not going to sit here and argue that he has been amazing in the month of December, but our, our expectations were going pretty low with Josh, uh, particularly from last month in terms of the way that we thought he his game was going and his role was going with the team. And, you know, what we were hoping he was going to do, I think we're seeing signs of that. I think since the Dallas win, so the, kind of the last 11 games, he's got the best net rating on the team wow. uh, besides, you know, bit part players like Akobo and Daniels. You know, his net rating's 3.2, which, which tops all the regulars. He and Holmes are in the top 20 I saw on Twitter the other day. Uh, in terms of guys in the whole NBA with a defensive differential. So, you know, how the team plays on defense uh, with them on and off the floor. Josh and Holmes are both in the top 20 for the league in that. So he's coming out and playing hard defense, which is, you know, definitely showing on the eye test as well. And, you know, the December box stats don't jump out at you. Um, in terms of his season stats, you know, they're only up 10.3 points versus 8.8, 5.1 rebounds versus 3.9, and 2.6 assists over 2.2, and the percentages are still very, very bad. But, you know, what I will say is that he's kind of eking a little bit further towards that optimum role that you and I have both uh, spoken about with him, but been very skeptical about whether he would actually take on a role like that and, and be happy doing that. And it, it looks like he has. He's, you know, he had a net positive in all five wins, you know, which he wasn't getting game, you know, plus minus positives at all in the first couple of months of the year. And since Booker's back, he's only taken 10 shots or 10 shots or more once. So he's really, you know, I think he's found his role playing hard, playing defense. And, you know, I've been impressed with him enough to, to kind of give him a shout out here, Max. Yeah, I, I certainly get where you're coming from with this. He has been better. He's been part of some nice energetic lineups. Man, it's just, I, I could never give this award to somebody who had a, less than a 45% true shooting percentage. Like, he's still unplayable offensively, basically. And that's what's tough with me. And I just, it's, it's just so hard with me with him, David. It's like, I, I love, like, the encouraging things where, like I said, he's bringing energy and stuff. But, man, if he's if he's that inefficient, he's not an NBA player, David. He's going to be out of the league at some point. And that, it's just got to be a lot better than that. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to kind of preface it as saying that, you know, it's in conjunction with what my expectation was for right, him right, for right, the right. month. Um, yeah. Well, he was the worst player in the NBA before this month. I think sometimes I don't want to hear that, but that was the case. Yeah, and there's some positives. There's definitely still some negatives, as you're pointing out. But, you know, on the back of that conversation we're having about Igor and, and the team overall, you know, baby steps, I think he's just showing some positive signs. He's not breaking away and, and taking really bad shots on the fast break as much anymore. Kind of just seems to have slowed down at least just a little bit. The shot is still terrible, and 
you know, shots don't generally get better during the season. So I don't think we're going to see that drastically get better. But mm. there are signs of other things getting better throughout the flow of a game. And he, he kind of feeling it out a little bit more. The, the only other thing I would touch on there is his comments the other day from his uh, diary. I thought were slightly overblown. He's, he's clearly talking about his, you know, recent past with the organization rather than his role on the team currently. At least that was my take on it. But did you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> Uh, I did. Um, for me, it wasn't so much about what he said, which is probably all accurate. Yeah, it doesn't bother me with like what he said. Mm-hmm. I do think it's it's not. First of all, it's not the first time he's said something negative about the Suns. He said he's done it a few times, and as I, I tweeted this, it's not a good sign for really anybody, even an NBA basketball player, to. Yeah, blame others for their lack of success. I guess the way I'd put it, people who are successful generally look inwardly and and figure out what they're doing wrong and, and correct it. Yeah, and people who are unsuccessful in life tend to <laughs> blame others for their their faults. And I'm not saying that's what Josh Jackson's doing, but I think that not doing generally, but in, the, in that particular quote, I think it's what he's doing. And that's why I didn't love what I saw from him. But at the same time, I'm not going to you know yell about it and say, "Hey, you're like the worst player in the world. How are you doing this?" But <laughs> I did make this comparison on Twitter. I, I I think this this just stands. It's like Darren Fox went to the the freaking Sacramento Kings, and he turned the entire organization around under his personality. Like you you can go to a bad place and make it good. Like that that's a thing you can do. And I think that you know Josh Jackson would be better. I'm not saying he's not doing this, but he would be better off focusing on himself rather than on uh, his situation. Yeah, I think that's kind of a perfect summation of it. He was definitely right in a lot of what he said. I automatically, and I really try hard not to do this, but I just feel like as long as they're both on the team, it's going to happen a lot and a lot. Uh, I just automatically thought of a guy like Mikhail Bridges who says all the right things, is Mm -hmm. a winner, and there's just no way he would come out and say something like that, even if he was, you know, thrust into the worst rookie situation. Possible. Yeah, he's one. And then also, how about Devin Booker, who's been in this shit show for, what, this is his fourth season, and has gotten way better every single yep. year. So, yeah, I, do, I don't love him, you know, looking elsewhere for, for people to blame for, you know, how his career has gone uh, so far. That's not to say that he wasn't right about a lot of the things that he said, but we should move on, Max. Oh, everything you said is right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll real quickly do my exceed expectations. We already talked about it. I'm a Andre Ayton. Yep. Uh, he just was so good last month, so much better than he's been, in my opinion. He showed me a lot of what I wanted to see mm-hmm. uh, on defense and offense. So, yeah, very happy with Aiton, and that doesn't need much more explanation. I'll go right into disappointing player David. I have a feeling this might be the same as you, but I don't know. Maybe not. Let's see. Mine is Mikel Bridges, David. We are in the same boat on this one again, Max. I will mention last time uh, it was Ariza for me and Jackson for you. So I seem to have a trend of of picking guys that are about to leave the team. Hopefully that's not the case. David, quickly change your answer to Jamal Crawford. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully that's not the case with Mikel because... Uh, I will preface the conversation by saying I do not want him going anywhere for a long, long period of time. However, there are some negatives to talk about, uh, which I'll let you jump off on this one, Max, and, and dive into why Mikael Bridges is your most disappointing player for December. Yeah, I like that you preface it that way with the it's not all bad thing, because I still think that he's helping on defense. I still like what he's doing. Uh, I, I'm not all mad at Mikel here by any means. Yep. For, for, for me, it's really just about the damn shooting, especially the slowed down release thing he's doing. As, as Cole Wicker pointed out, and I, and I, I agree with him, 
it's mostly in the corners where he decides to slow down his release when he has more time. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why he's doing it. It's just, it's the dumbest thing in the world to me. I, I, I've never seen a, an NBA basketball player slow down his release based on like how much time he has to shoot. Like sometimes you'll see people gather and like, you know, wait a little bit and then do their normal release. But Mikel is actually like slowing down his arm motion. Yeah. And it's just, I Dave, is there any explanation for this? Uh, I'm not sure that there is. Uh, my view on it, and I've said this a couple of times on Twitter, and you know, by the time people are listening to this, there'd probably be a nice bonus uh, to this conversation with our seven plays or less, mm. uh, which I'm focusing on Mikhail, both from the Philly game and then some uh, historical stuff from the last 10 games or so, which will cover a lot of what we're talking about here. So people can go and watch that as well as listen to us talk here on the pod, Max. But it kind of looks to me like a guy who had his shot broken down in the offseason and we saw those weird videos of him pretty much doing this action that we see from time to time in game and you know I looked back through some scouting stuff I saw you know some people noted that you know maybe one negative with his shot was that he brought the ball down too far mm-hmm. um, and that you know he wouldn't be allowed to do that coming into the pros from college and I, I don't necessarily see the way that he's breaking down this shot as actually uh, fixing that issue at all because if anything it, it, you know it's obviously created a much slower motion for him but it just appears to me as a guy who's very recently broken down his shot so then when he's not in a really high pressure situation he kind of repetitively d- does that on the court and we're, we're kind of seeing the uh, juxtaposition of when he is in a high pressure situation and needs to get the shot off it looks really smooth and fluid it's really only when he's left wide open mm-hmm. that we're seeing this kind of weird thing come and it's very tough on him because, you know, he is a great player. But if we said what we wanted Mikhail to do in the starting lineup is basically play defense and hit open shots, and he's not currently hitting open shots. He's actually 31.6 from three when wide open max, which is, you know, six plus feet is where the nearest defender is. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. That's where it's really obvious where we're seeing this, you know, really herky jerky shot coming from him. And most of the time, the stats kind of back up that it's not going in either, which I'll delve into in that thread on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. I know I saw from Kellen last night, 28% on corner threes, which is a really bad percentage on corner threes. It is the easiest three. Yep. 17 of 61, I believe it is. That's really not good at all. That's very bad. Um, and I really think so. He's also missing on a lot of his little, you know, drive-ins in, 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 uh, at the rim and also when he pulls up. Yep. And I think a lot of that probably stems from the fact that he's not confident. He's not making his threes. And I just, I, I hate to hammer on this even more, but like, why are these young guys, Markel Fultz, Mikel Bridges, who have beautiful college shots coming in and screwing with it? It's so weird to me. Yeah, it just seems to be kind of striving for perfection because he had a great shot even with, you know, maybe a couple of little things that could be fixed here and there. And it appears at least that they really tried to break it right down just to fix one or two minor things, which has totally thrown him off course. He's 50 for 149 overall on the season. So, you know, 33.3%, which isn't terrible, but for a shooter like him coming out of college, it's it's definitely not perfect. As you yeah, said, he should be better than that. He should be better than the that. The corners are the worst, and, and particularly the right corner is where he seems to be um, falling down the most. And you know, as I said, you, you want him to come in and, and play defense and hit open shots. He's not really hitting the open shots at the moment. And, you know, the D's been spoken about quite a bit. I think it's slightly overrated, if anything. I think he's great in certain situations, but he's still getting pushed around a bit and really struggling to contain the ball on drives. And 
as you said, he's, you know, I think he's around league average finishing himself around the rim, but quite terrible in the mid-range and things as well, which is not a great sign for someone that you, you know, expected to just be a, a knockdown shooter coming out of college. Yeah, and even as we're saying all these things, as you sort of led this whole thing off with, I wouldn't want to lose him, man. I still really, really believe in this guy. Uh, I think he's got the perfect personality and work ethic to fix all this stuff. I, I think he will. Um, yep. Also, even like with him not shooting well, I see stuff I like on offense. I like the way he uh, operates on offense. I like some of the drives he takes. I like some of the pull-ups he takes. It all looks good to me. I just need to like you know, you just need to make the shot. Would be nice. <laughs> Have the ball go in the basket always helps. Yeah, my probably my favorite quote from Mikhail pre-draft was you know him saying that he passes up good shots for great shots, and mm. that's kind of what we're seeing sometimes. No, yeah, definitely he does, and also like hell, it's not like he's never makes any shots. He had that one I mentioned last podcast in the Denver game where he just casually stepped behind the line and drilled it, and and you know and that's an example of him not thinking about it. He just it was I think it was like late in the shot clock or something, but he just had to like get behind that line and shoot, and it was natural, and he just, he drilled it, and he just needs to stop. With this overthinking, this over you know mechanicizing of three pointers, like just just shoot the three pointer that you you know that you know how to shoot. Yep. One last shameless plug for my thread, Max. There will be a video showing those kind of free flowing uh, plays where he doesn't think about it and just look how fluid the the shot is compared to when he's left wide open and and how mechanical, as you said, it gets. There you go. I love when there's video evidence post pod for my inarticulate points. <laughs> David, more minutes. Who should get more minutes? The player who's our sixth man. Uh, I guess we call it sixth man of the year, but it's really just the player who we think needs to play more. Last time I said Dragon Bender, which was a, a <laughs> horrible miss after getting the first couple right. I believe you said DeAnthony Melton, and you know his minutes are fluctuating but I'm sure you're you know relatively happy with how that's going uh mine's on the back of the the Macau discussion uh I'm actually going to say that Kelly Oubre needs to start on this team David we had the exact same answer for this one and the last <laughs> there you go so yeah I'll go ahead and jump in um there's a lot of reasons why I think Oubre should start first of all as we sort of just gotten into he's just a much more confident player than Mikel is right now mm-hmm. uh I think he we would get off better starts with him uh we don't lose anything on defense Right now, as, as you said, you said he's a little bit overrated. I probably agree with that. And uh, I think Oubre is probably slightly better than him at defense right now, particularly uh, uh, one-on-one, containing drives, stuff like that. Yeah. He's definitely better at that right now. Uh, he's stronger. You know, he's been in the NBA for a while. Uh, also, and David, this is the part where we might not agree anymore because I'm going to, for the first time this entire year, I think, I'm going to give the first uh, TJ Warren criticism of the, of the podcast. Are you ready? Ooh, it's long overdue. Yeah, we haven't had one yet. So this is like, just think back to the Philadelphia 76ers first quarter that just happened the other night. Uh-huh. When TJ totally disappears, which still happens sometimes, like we really need another person to do something. On, on the floor. And right now, Melton and Mikel, I like their defense. I like their team defense especially. I like some of the things they do. They don't do anything. Ubre could do things. Like, when, when he gets the ball late in the clock, like he'll drive. He'll, he'll make something happen. And right now, man, I, I like TJ Warren, but and this is going to get into it of TJ Rant. I don't know if you want to respond to this or not, but <laughs> this is kind of why I think TJ Warren shouldn't start. Because when he does his disappearing act thing and he's not scoring, he doesn't do anything else. He's bad on defense and he doesn't make any plays. So you know, the improved three-point shooting is good. I guess he spaces the floor a little bit more. But, like, you really need somebody like, doing something alongside Booker and Aiton. And when TJ's not scoring, that guy's not there. All right, I'll let you respond to any of that you want to, David. No, I think it's a fair point. You know, for all his uh, improvements, TJ is still kind of is who he is in terms of 
um, his overall role in the NBA. You know, he hasn't made huge strides on defense. The three-point shot is great and has meant that he is more playable in the modern NBA, but it doesn't necessarily make him a totally new uh, archetype of, of a player. Um, he's still, mm. you know, an ultra-efficient scorer who uh, looks for his own more than anything. You know, I did note the other day that they seem to be doing a better job sometimes of including him in the offense and, and running plays for him. I think that's been you know slow progress probably because I don't think they even expected this improvement coming from TJ. So they've kind of slowly started to work him in. And But yeah, I, I kind of put it more on Igor than, than TJ himself. I think he needs to do a better job of making sure that TJ doesn't disappear because, yeah, if he's not scoring, he's not providing that threat, he is... Um, you know, relatively useless on the court, which, you know, brings the question, if we are going to start Ubre Max, you've kind of got two options here. You go with Melton, Book, TJ, Ubre, Ayton, or you go back to Point Book, leave Mikel in there, and leave TJ in there as well. I guess there's a third option you're advocating for maybe TJ going back to the second unit, but, you know, I lean going back to, to Point Book to, to leave Mikel, he's shooting his defense in there. I don't think he can take TJ out at this stage, but also getting Ubre in there. Yeah, no, I actually, no, I'm not advocating TJ going to the bench. I think long-term I am. I think that we've seen yeah, okay. long-term, that's, that's probably where it needs to be. I'd actually, I'd take Mikel and put him on the bench. Not in, in the most non, like, we're not doing this because you're bad kind of way. We just think that this makes more sense for our team. And let Mikel play against second units. I think that might be a better spot for him anyway. Yeah. Uh, because his whole slightness thing where he can't contain drives and stuff, that would be not as much of a problem, uh, not against starters. Yeah. But uh, for me, I would leave I would leave Melton in. But one thing I would do is I would, you don't have to necessarily make Melton the point guard when he's in there, even if he is a point guard, technically. Yeah. I think I think that's one thing that I think Igor's gotten away from, which I uh, I don't uh, really agree with. Is I think we've gotten away from point book too much. Um, we're not doing it enough, and you could do it with Melton on the floor, and and that's what I would do. I would start Melton, Booker, uh, Ubre, TJ, and Aiton, and I would uh, I would have Booker run the point a little more. Melton can have his possessions here and there, but I mean I think that at the start of the Sixers game, it was all Melton bringing the ball up and, and running the offense, which I don't I don't really get that at all. Like. I, I love Anthony Melton. Everyone who listens to this podcast know that. Uh, but he's like super raw in offense, man. Like that guy should not be running your offense at all, really. Yeah, that that's kind of Eagle maybe falling into traditional um, positions a little bit, and it's kind of like, well, if I'm going to start him, he has to be running the point. For well, he me, also really doesn't want Booker to be the point guard. He just doesn't. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think. I think you're right. We could probably see Book, particularly early on to start games, seeing as though we're starting so poorly at the moment, you, you kind of want to see Booker running the offense a little bit more. You can just plug Melton into, yeah, an, an off-the-ball shooter um, and, and defending opposition one. So, yeah, I think as long as Melton is in the starting lineup for the foreseeable future, I'm definitely advocating for Ubre to go in over Mikhail, just so that you're not starting three rookies. And as you said before, you don't have you know a couple of guys that, really aren't contributing much at all to the starting lineup. But you know, back on Ubre a little bit, we we both nominated him here, so we should talk about him and his game a little bit more. You know, I think he's averaging twenty five minutes a night for Phoenix since he's arrived. And you know, if you take the forty two minutes out that he played in that Washington game, you know, he's only played twenty six, nineteen, thirty, twenty four, twelve, twenty one, twenty three. So 
it's not quite enough minutes for mine based on where this roster is with its talent. And it's also a little too up and down and not allowing him to kind of settle into rhythm. And I noted on the last pot, I think it was, that he's probably still learning a lot, which is making Igor's job hard of of getting him into um, games on a regular basis. But since joining his, you know, it's 16.3 points per game over 36 minute averages. And he's probably, as you were alluding to, a more dangerous option with the starters, someone that can get to the bucket, someone that does need to be defended off the dribble. Uh, you know, you add in his defense there and, and his ability to attack the rim. I, I just think it's a move that we, that we really have to consider making. Yeah, I, I agree with your reasoning, and there's, there's another really strong reason to do it, in my opinion, and that's, you know, you, you have to make a decision on this guy before anybody else. Yes. You know, you got to figure out what you want with this guy, and, and the, the number one way to figure out, you know, if Kelly Ray is somebody you want to keep long-term is to play him with, you know, your two pieces you know are your long-term pieces, and Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. Yep. So you start him, and you see what those guys look like together, because, man... At this point, the, the, really, you know, we're not going to make the playoffs, obviously. <laughs> yes. That's long gone. Uh, at this point, the goals are to uh, get Devin Booker to the All-Star game <laughs> <laughs> and then to figure out whether or not Kelly Oubre and, and anybody else should make a quick decision on. So I guess Rashawn Holmes will be somebody and, and Melton will be somebody coming uh, pretty soon after that. And I guess Jackson, too. You, know, you start figuring out, are these the guys that you want to keep around? Because that's decisions that are, that are coming. And uh, that's really what we're in here. We're in evaluation stage. Yeah, and that's why I kind of lean to maybe going back to point book to just optimize things as much as possible until they maybe mm-hmm. bring in a point guard. I think they're probably looking at it, and some fans might look at it and go, that really thins out the bench. Then you've kind of got Holmes, Melton, Jackson, and you know one of Crawford or Okobo probably coming off the bench. But not to harp on the point too much, I'd, I'd still love to see Igor stagger things a little bit more rather than run two units. And you know, if you put your five best guys in the starting lineup and then start to kind of stagger them and you know just insert those energy pieces here and there, you're going to have the most competitive team on the court. And that's goal number one, as you said, for the rest of the season is to basically get as much information out of these guys that you have to make decisions on and also put the absolute best product on the floor to give yourself the best chance in, in free agency and things, Max. Yep, I, I think that's right. That's all I got to say about it. What do you think? That's, are we done with the awards? Ready for Did you know? I think we are. I'll jump into it. So, Max, with December now done and dusted and the Suns working their way through a January schedule, I wanted to take you and the listeners back to the Suns' longest ever winning streak. It is tied for 16th longest in the NBA, the longest being the 71-72 Lakers, who won 33 in a row, Max. But did you know the 06-07 Suns set the franchise record for wins on the trot from December 29 until January 29 in that season? Now, I've given you a couple of small clues in terms of 33 being the most ever and the Suns streak happening over a month time span. But any guesses how many that team won in a row, Max? I know we lost the Timberwolves to end it. Oh, you do. Yep. Uh, man, was it like 16? Oh, one off. It was 17. Mm. Nine away and eight at home. But funnily enough, they broke the franchise record twice in that same season. Just 10 or so days earlier, the Suns finished rattling off a 15-game winning streak. The last win in that streak was over the Toronto Raptors, who had the recently departed Brian Colangelo as their general manager. Hmm. Quick aside, Max, Mike D'Antoni took over as our GM when Colangelo left, 
and after signing Jalen Rose on November 7, 2006, the Suns never made another roster move until Steve Kerr joined as GM. That was drafting Rudy Fernandez on June 28, 2007. So over six months, including these winning streaks with no roster changes. I guess you don't need to mess with something that's working, Max. But back to the winning streak... That one was ended by the Washington Wizards in an OT thriller where Gilbert Arenas scored 54 points, a team we had our own OT thriller against this December, Max. The 17-game streak then began 10 days later, as I said, on December 29 against the New York Knicks, another team we beat this December, Max. During the streak, the Suns averaged 25 threes a game. That's attempts, a mark that would only be good enough for equal 28th this season. (laughs) However, they did jack up 43 in that OT loss to the Wizards just prior, which would edge out the Houston Rockets' current season average of 42.6 threes a game. We've come a long way, Max. Now, the Suns' big three of Nash, Marion, and Mare were pretty incredible during the 17 wins. Nash was classic MV Steve, averaging 19 and 12.4, shooting a ridiculous 49.5% from three. Marion was classic Matrix with 17.4 points, 11.5 boards, 1.5 assists, 2.6 steals, and 1.2 blocks. And Amari was Amari, 20.7 points, 10 boards, 1.7 blocks, 59.3% from the field max. The streak, as you said, was ended by Kevin Garnett and the Minnesota Timberwolves, another team we got a W against this December. Garnett had 44 points and 11 rebounds, and the Suns went down 112 to 121. I've mentioned Garnett on this pod quite a bit in reference to Aiton Max. Garnett had a pretty subtle rookie season, only averaging 10.4 points per game, but he had one game of 33 points which just so happens to be Aiton's current high also, which, of course, he set in this month of December. One less test for you here, Max, to end. Steve Nash was quoted during the 17-game winning streak as saying this about the Lakers' record 33-game winning streak. People don't talk about the 33-game streak. They talk about who won the championship that year. I don't feel unbeatable. We've got a lot of improving to do. The Lakers went on to win that year, But as we all know, the Suns did not in 2007, Max. So how far did the Suns go in 2007 and who ended up winning the title? You're really going to bring this up to me, David. This is going to be earth-shattering. We lost in six games to the San Antonio Spurs after David Stern screwed us. Yep, and who went on to win the title? Oh, fuck you, you, David, the Spurs. (laughs) What could have been, Max? What could have been? Yeah... They had a free they had a free title too because they went through the Utah Jazz and then the Cleveland Cavaliers, which was neither of those teams were any good. Yep, and that's what could have been for the Phoenix Suns. You know what else could have been? Uh, that was the year uh, the Golden State had that really fun team with Baron Davis that over uh, upset the the Mavs. And I was thinking that it was going to be the Suns uh, Warriors. In the Conference Finals, which would have been like the most fun Conference Finals ever. Instead, we got the Spurs and the freaking Jazz. That would have been super fun and, and something that I'm sure in this day and age, you know, mentioning with all the threes and things, you know, a, a series that would be looked back on uh, very well, I'm sure, in terms of prefacing the, the next kind of decade or so of basketball. <laughs> yeah, people probably would have been like, oh, so the reason why the league changed is because of this series. <laughs> <laughs> we changed the NBA forever. That's it, Max. On to a quick... 
around the association segment before we finish off. Yeah, not a bizarre world. But uh, as you mentioned, we're going to go to around the league. We're going to do some New Year's resolutions, David. This will be fun. We're going to each pick one East team and one West team and one East player and one West player and talk about what you want to see from them and the resolution for them going forward. Yep. Uh, so David, how about you start? How about you start with your East team? All right, my East team is someone that I predicted to win fifty games before the season started, Max, okay. and that is not looking good. Uh, I'm calling this the you know how New Year's resolutions everyone's got the like I'm going to get healthy this year mm-hmm. kind of resolution. I'm calling this the I'm going to get healthy award, and that goes okay. to the Washington Wizards, who I am saying just need to pull the pin, blow it up. Get yourselves healthy. You're not going anywhere. You know, maybe trade Trevor Ariza again. <laughs> trade one of Beal or Porter because I don't think you're going to be able to trade John Wall. And uh, they need to start again, Max, and, and get healthy, as I said. Well, I certainly agree uh, with all of that. Yeah, the Washington, man, I don't know what their plan is because they, they really made that win now trade right before John Wall. Mm-hmm. It was declared out for the year. So, man, that front office just must be in shambles. Like, what the hell are they are – they, even David, you know what I'm trying to say here? Like, what the hell are they thinking about? I, 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 it's just hard for me to even understand like how they're planning out their future. I think it's a perfect example of a front office that you know feels pressure from ownership to continue to compete. They're in the lowly East. They can probably itch out a, a playoff spot, probably be a first round exit, and and at least have it look somewhat good. Uh, as an outcome but you know for what expectations were for what my expectations were for this team they've definitely underperformed so far and I think it was announced today that Markeith Morris is out for six weeks so oh wow I uh, didn't see that the blows keep on coming but it'll be interesting to see whether a a wallless team actually uh, competes harder and and maybe even you know competes better than what they were with John Wall you think these billionaire uh, genius businessman owners would be smart enough to be like hey we should just do this with our with our team but I guess not uh, anyway, so mine's very different from yours, David. I'm, mine's very happy. Alrighty. Uh, mine's just more about like, hey, we're good. We need to make another move here. Our resolution's to to take this team from good to great. Yep. And, and this is the Indiana Pacers, David. Ooh, I like They're it. They're twenty five and twelve. They are the third seed in the Eastern Conference right now, ahead of Philly and Boston. They are two games out of the best record in the entire NBA. Flying under the radar. I think I mentioned them when we. Uh, scheduled the the new Xmas Day games last episode of you know at, you rattle off the best four teams in in the East in the NBA and mm-hmm. uh, the paces are generally missed in you know replacement for I think Toronto Milwaukee Boston and Philly are the first four that everyone always rattles off but yep. yeah Indiana are very impressive they've done some of it without. Uh, their franchise guy and mm-hmm. um, yeah you, you're probably right they're probably just a, a, a small move away or something from really making some noise in the NBA. I've got a big move for him David and it ties right into your team they should go get Bradley Beal <sighs> go do it that's a perfect fit with Old Depot they'd be awesome together that'd be so much fun and that team can win the East with Bradley Beal on that team they really can they're that good it would, depending on what they give up for him but they could be really really good David yeah, I mean, we've we've often talked about them needing to maybe separate Turner and Sabonis at some point, so maybe that's a piece that goes in there, um, you know, to to make the Wizards at least interested in the offer. But yeah, I like it. I think that would be a, an all in move. The East certainly seems you know wide open at the moment, so uh, small market teams like that they've got to go for it when they can. Yeah, you don't get free agent if you're Indiana. <laughs> exactly. And I love the old Evil Beal thing so much because like. 
there's like not a weakness there. Those two, like both of them, do everything. It'd be quite a backcourt. It'd be fun to watch. Yeah, obviously, you're, obviously, you're missing a, a a true traditional, you know, point guard if you're running them as the backcourt. But the advantages would probably far outweigh that because at the moment they're, you know, kind of got placeholders there with guys like Collison and, and Joseph and. Yeah, I mean, David, show me the true traditional point guard right now who's killing the NBA. Exactly. Uh, all right, let's do your player now, David. Who you got in the East? All right, well, this. Kind of on the back of what you just said in terms of Indi- you know, Indiana's not going to sign any free agents in the offseason. A- another market that is a smaller market, and this would you know certainly be a win for the small markets, I- I'm giving my Maintain the Rage award to Kemba Walker in the East. And that's, you know, Charlotte are about to host the All-Star weekend, I believe. He is very much in line for his third straight All-Star appearance with you know, a career year, 25.4 points per game at the moment. If he can carry them to the playoffs, maybe even win a series, then you know, I think team and player will, will sign a big deal in the summer. And you know, that'll be a win for both. I think Kemba deserves to be paid you know, close to his max. And, and Charlotte, you know, as you said, with Indiana, aren't going to be signing many uh, upcoming free agents to that market. So maintaining a guy like Kemba would would be a win for them as well. This is this is too much fun, David. <laughs> <laughs> as as you always say, uh, we don't talk about this beforehand. Oh, and I don't know if this is, this is going to prove that or make people question about that. My guy is Kemba Walker, and I have the exact opposite resolution for him, David. <laughs> Let's do it. Tell me what else he should do to start 2019. I'm thinking that Kimba needs to look in the mirror and be like, you know what, Kimba, you're awesome. You deserve more than Charlotte. I need to see you on a good team. Interesting. I need, you need to realize that you don't need to be loyal to this shit, shit team. It's kind of like a, a girl whose boyfriend sucks. Like, like honey, you're, you're awesome. You don't need to be with that loser. <laughs> I'm saying that to Kimba right now. You don't need to do so that you're telling anymore. me when All Star Weekend hits Charlotte, he's not going to be trying to take people around town, showing them how great Charlotte is as a city, and instead is going to be having secret conversations with which All Stars want him to demand a trade to their team. Well, I'm telling you, it's a damn good thing to move the trade deadline to well before, so it's not awkward when he visits uh, to Marcus Cousins and gets traded during the All Star game. <laughs> Uh, I think he should he should he should try to get somewhere good. I'd love to see him on the Pacers or Bucks. Yep. But the team I really want to see him on, David, I think they should send him to Denver. I think Kimber should just try to get to Denver because that would be awesome. That team's so close. And man, with Kimba, I think they might be challenging the Warriors. Ooh, that is very interesting. How does that look with Murray Harris? To one of the- I think Murray's uh, Murray's the guy. Ooh, That's who you're training for. Wow, they're super high on him. That would be huge. But- I'm not Nate Duncan, David. <laughs> I can trade Jamal Murray. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. This is our podcast. We can do and say Great whatever point. the hell we want. <laughs> I-, I like it, though. I think, you know, I'm- I was angling for a win for the small guys there, but... Um, you know, talents like Walker, I think, you know, you'd love to see them paired up with some other stars, but uh, if they can't make that happen, he better damn well get the max out of Michael Jordan and Charlotte. Yeah, let me let me be real clear here. I'm almost positive what you said is going to happen. I, I think it's it's nice. Kimba Walker is the best player in their franchise history. Uh, I think it's cool how he wants to be there. I think it's awesome. They're going to give him way too much money, and he's going to, you know, It'd be a really bad fifth year of that deal, but you know what? Sometimes uh, sports isn't all about winning a championship, so. Cool. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm finding myself uh, empathizing with the small markets. Phoenix, 
in the past has has been you know maybe somewhere in the middle edging towards you know, one of the bigger markets but uh, the way we're looking at the moment uh, I'm really trying to root for the the small guy because these kind of decisions are probably going to come up for Phoenix in the next few years and if we don't turn things around drastically uh, we're going to be the sulky supporters who've who've lost our franchise guy Max yeah that would be sad wouldn't it in fact I don't even want to think about it so why don't you just go on to your West team <laughs> My West team is the Dallas Mavericks, Max, and I am saying, you know, a lot of people hit the new year and say, I want to travel more in 2019, so I'm calling this the Go Traveling Award, and not that Luka Dontich travels on the basketball court, Max, (laughs) or should be trying to travel more a la James Harden, although that wouldn't be a bad uh, philosophy to take for someone like Luka, but they are 3-16 and away at the moment, Max, and on the playoff bubble, and they really need to improve that for the back half of the year if they've got any aspirations to make the playoffs so i'm saying they need to travel more they need to win more away from home and maybe how they do that is uh, a trade uh, we've seen dennis smith jr uh, his name kind of raised in the media recently i put them up for a, a trade idea in one of our recent episodes and uh yeah i think they just need a little bit of a circuit breaker and and to try and start winning away from home max yeah that's a really interesting one I just, is there any reason do you think why dallas isn't bad away from home or is it just a really random variant it's very strange how they're that bad uh away from Dallas. unless the whole team's like devin booker and, and loves the lights in the dallas stadium and just <laughs> shoots the lights out i haven't delved too much into it outside of you know the actual record itself but yeah they, they do appear you know they're a strong team with its weaknesses and and certainly the the kind of team coached by rick carlisle that mm. you know is a real force at home but you know kind of things get away from a little bit when they when they travel away yeah, if I had to guess at it, and this is just totally off the cuff, but it may be because they don't really have, other than Luca, who's a rookie, like a guy who can like settle down the offense yep. and just like get a shot. Yep. They don't have that at all, so that, that may be what it is. Uh, I agree with you, though. I'd I like to see Dallas make you know, any kind of move because they don't have their own pick this year. It goes to da- uh, Atlanta, unless it's top five, which it probably won't be, so they should go for it. Makes sense. Yep. What's yours? Mine is, and I just alluded to them in the Kimba thing, but not just Kimba, Denver, the Denver Nuggets. I think they should go for it. I really do. Because even if Golden... Golden State, to me, looks a little bit beatable. But even if they're not beatable this year, they're probably going to be beatable next year. I don't think Durant's staying. I'd be surprised if he is. Yeah. Um, if I'm them, I'm I'm accelerating this thing because they're the best... They have the best record in the West right now. Mm-hmm. Um, as we've seen with OKC this year, uh, sometimes when you acquire a star-level player, it takes a while to get them acclimated. Yep. Uh, PG-13 is way better now than he was. Last year, and I so I, if I were them, I would go get themselves a star now. I would I would let, use this season to acclimate the guy to do as best you can in the playoffs. Hopefully, try to make a conference finals, get that experience, get get Jokic, you know, get that under his belt, and then next year when when Golden State falls off, which I think will happen, just be ready to sort of you know be the next team in the West. Yeah, I think it's a good point. I think I see Denver quite a lot like Philly of the East in terms of mm-hmm. being that kind of underdog from where they've come from, you know, really star hunting. I think their general manager, Tim Connolly, has always been trying to make moves either in free agency or via trade to to really get over the hump. They've got a great team at the moment that they're kind of putting out on the park and, um, you know, a great record in the West. But, yeah, I think it's a good point by you. The West is 
kind of open, like we haven't seen it for a little while. Yep. Um, Golden State looking a little shaky. LeBron, you know, they haven't made a move yet. Not They may not make a move this season. So, you know, before any change with Golden State or before LeBron gets settled in LA with a, another superstar maybe next year, yeah, this is a, a time for Denver to, for, to have a crack and, and see where they can end up if they, they make a big move. Because as good as the team is right now, I can't see it, you know, beating one of those two teams in a playoff series. Nope. And they had this really interesting, weird trade ship in Michael Porter Jr. that they should be super willing to move, in my opinion. Ooh. Like, they should definitely be willing to move that guy because he's really just kind of found money for them. And if they can convince him to... Just convince a team to be really into him and part with, you know, say MPJ and Gary Harris for like a star player. They should do that um, because this team's kind of ready to win now. And I'm not, I'm not a big Michael Porter Jr. helping anytime soon guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that idea. I think that's a that's a great one. All right, how about your West player, David? My West player is a make new friends resolution, and it goes to James Harden of the Houston (laughs) Rockets. He has been crazy good lately, Max. Mm -hmm. He's averaging 33.3 points this season, which is a career high. Uh, CP3 is unhealthy. The rest of the roster can't compete at the pointy end of the playoffs as good as they're playing right now. And, you know, Harden's players kind of got them out of the doldrums of where they were going in the West. They still don't look like a, a great playoff team. There's, you know, rumblings around, you know, Knight maybe having a pick or two attached to him to get him off the books. I think Eric Gordon is still the positive salary piece there for them to maybe make a significant move. I keep being surprised that Carmelo Anthony keeps getting listed as, you know, inactive when they're playing. And I think that's purely because if they wave him, you know, maybe there's a chance that someone can pick him up on waivers and they don't want that to happen. So they're actually waiting to maybe trade him somewhere if he gets any interest anywhere. But yeah, they're, they're a watch this space. I think Harden needs some new friends if he wants to do any damage in the West this year. He does, although he is single-handedly uh, ruining my prediction that they'd be the eight seed. <laughs> Which I think at the time is what I said, is if even if everything went bad if they still had James Harden you know they're probably still a top four team in the west yeah and that's proving right because man I, I just read this the other day like James Harden is positioning himself for another MVP right now he really is if that team is in the top four uh and he keeps up this I think lately he's at 40 points a game or something like that in the last like few not even few like last 10 which is just absurd like the dude is insane he's so damn good and I see these yeah I see these polls where like at their, at their peak, who's a better offensive player, James Harden or Kobe Bryant? Like, goddamn. If, if you think it's Kobe Bryant, you're just wrong. <laughs> Look at the damn stats. Watch him play. I think Lakers fans are the only ones that would probably be voting that, and that's probably why they can still win polls like that because there is a <laughs> lot of Lakers fans. Unfortunately, that is true, David. What's yours? Finish us off here. Mine is a player who you love, who I love. PG! Uh, I think it's Paul George. Yeah, oh, you guess it just based on how much we love him. Here it is, David. Go for the MVP, Paul George. Go for it. Yep. I saw that he convinced Russ to play defense this year, which is amazing. That's that's almost MVP worthy in itself. <laughs> but I think he should convince Russ to kind of turn the offense over to him too. Like I, I don't want to see Paul George just be the full centerpiece of this team. Russ be the secondary, you know, creator, defender guy. I don't know if you ever convinced Russ to do that, but maybe. But man, Paul George is already an MVP candidate, and if he could just like push to the next level on that whole thing, like. I really think it could happen, and it would be really freaking cool to see Paul George say it, OKC, and then win an MVP. I can't think of a much better story than that. 
it'd be another win for you know so-called small markets even mm-hmm. though i saw russell westbrook say he doesn't believe in small markets it's only small minds well, or something like i that. wouldn't believe in a small markets either if my team had like, the highest payroll in the nba <laughs> <laughs> exactly i guess the only thing i'd push back on that is russell westbrook is shooting like low 30s from the field and like 29% from three. So, you know, I think he kind of needs the ball in his hand or else he's not even an NBA player right now on offense. Um, so That's fair. Although, but I will say he is like a first team all NBA defense kind of guy right now, the way he's playing defense. He's been really good yeah, at that. But, you know, maybe keep uh, Paul off ball as much as possible because the thought of Westbrook just shooting open jumpers and things is, is not a good one right now. But I don't need to repeat it. I love Paul George. He's probably my favorite player in the NBA that's not a Phoenix Sun. I'm very much enjoying uh, his rise. And as you have noted quite a few times on this pod and on Twitter, the MVP race is wide open. So Paul George is, you know, it's well within his reach to just go and grab it. Yep, it's him. I think if they get to the one seed, uh, I think that he's a really strong candidate. It's between, I guess it's between him, Giannis, and uh, James Harden right now. Yep. All right, uh, I think that's it, Dave. Are you ready for seven seconds or less? I am. Do you want to run over the rules very quickly? Let's do it. Seven seconds or less is the segment where one of us asks the other three questions for which the other has seven seconds or less to answer and has not prepared beforehand. David, I think it's your turn this week to ask me the questions, right? It is, and we're going to keep the New Year's resolution theme, Max. Mm. So I will maybe give you a little longer than seven seconds as we generally always do because you might have to do some thinking on these but keeping that theme what is your biggest resolution for the phoenix suns for 2019 hmm wow that is a a big question i think my biggest resolution for the phoenix suns for 2019 is just to to keep this thing going they have lately where even if they're not playing very well they're still competing and they're staying in these games and we're not seeing the head dropping yeah and just the utter quitting that we were seeing earlier remember remember when i spent like a month and a half in this podcast yelling about how we need a leader <laughs> yes like, i don't want to i don't want to yell about that anymore and i haven't lately because it hasn't been you know as imperative i think because at least they're trying and they're being scrappy. And even if they're not good, I just want them to keep, you know, doing this. Yeah, and they're kind of leading as a collective. And, right. and I've noted that a few times, that they are fighting through games. As baffling as some of these deficits are early in games, it's great to see them fight back. So that's a great one. I, I like that one. Again, keeping the theme for question two, though. This time, pick a specific player and give me one resolution they should be focused on for the rest of this season, Max. It's going to be repetitive of things we've said before, but for me, it's it's Josh Jackson. Mm-hmm. Focus on what has made you more useful in the past month. Focus on that energy thing, that defense thing. Focus on not taking bad shots. Focus on you know your secondary playmaking thing. Watch the tape. See why you were effective over the past month. Igor should be the one who's showing him these tape. What's going on? And just and just do that. Like, yeah. I think I think one of the things and sorry, this is going to waver seven seconds. I think <laughs> a lot of players, particularly players who went in the top five of drafts, you know, they fancy themselves as stars. Yeah. And they're, and they're going to be stars. And, I, and I'm sure Josh X has that in his head for understandable reasons. But I think you need to. You know, put in the back of your mind, I can still be a star someday and and realize I need to become a good NBA player now and and focus on that. Yep. 
I like it. And jumping forward a bit now, and there might be some repetition here again, but although you might surprise me, hmm. 2019 obviously covers two seasons of NBA basketball, Max. So let's jump ahead to December 2019. Give me one contracted Suns player you are very confident will not be on the roster at that point in time, and one non-Suns player you would be the most confident will be on the roster, Max. Interesting. So by contracted, you mean somebody who has a contract for next year? Yeah, I don't want you kind of saying Dragon Bender, for instance. <laughs> that was the first thing that popped <laughs> very, very well done to preempt that. Oh, man, that's tough. Uh... Oh, oh, oh. That, actually, I think I found a, uh, a sneaky way around it. Ryan Anderson, I think, is my answer. Ooh, yes, you, you caught me out. I didn't uh, put enough notes in to, to stop that one. So, yep, so they're going to waive him. Yeah, they'll they'll wave. And I'm trying to think of somebody who's not a cheat answer for you, but it's not coming to mind right now. So sorry, you're getting the cheat answer. That's fine. Uh, and then the player who I think would make uh, oh, that's a good one. Um, I, you know what? I think it's going to be somebody we've talked about a lot in this podcast. Uh, it's because of the connection with Evan Booker. It's because of the glaring hole in his position. It's D'Angelo Russell. I think is the most likely guy to be on the team. Yep. I like it. And that is the end of seven seconds or less. Cool. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. Please rate review and subscribe. It really helps. In fact, David, you wanted to point out a few people who have reviewed us lately. Yes. Uh, ruler, I believe it is replica Ryan and Slowbub all gave us reviews, all gave us five-star ratings, and we are just one off our uh, short-term goal of 55 stars. So uh, if you're listening to this, you get a chance to jump on, be number 50, and we will read out probably your whole review if you do that as well next episode. Yeah, absolutely. Even when we don't read it out on the podcast, I can assure you that David and I talk about it privately, and we love all your reviews, and we, and we cherish each and every one of them because it's awesome that... People love what we're doing. It makes us feel great. Uh, and we love feedback. We do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, I'll, I'll put this out right here right now. If you give us a five-star review, you can give us a piece of constructive criticism in there too. That's fine. Love it. It doesn't be all glowing. Just just give us five stars. You can say whatever the hell you want. Yep. <laughs> uh, David, thank you. I don't know if there's anything else for you to say. Uh, I think we might be having a special guest soon. Uh, he's been on before. He's my favorite person to have on. So look out for that. Yep, and we uh, didn't have a guest on this time, as we said, uh, but that was probably my fault with the rescheduling of things. But, yeah, we will have some guests coming up when they make sense. And uh, the Suns finish off their homestand against Charlotte and Sacramento after playing the Clippers, who you we may have already played by the time people are listening to this podcast, Max. So I will talk to you and the listeners again very soon. Yeah, people are wondering why we aren't talking about the 30-point blowout of the Clippers that we had. <laughs> Thanks, guys.